We are back on another episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Should we just make that our opening now? Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. I was I gonna mean, say, I, 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 I let Stephen do all the singing. And I, I just caught, I came up with that right off the top of my head. That's I know very, it was very it was ingenious. Very, it was very elaborate, I know, and it's hard to believe, but I, I did it right on the top of my head. And if you didn't understand my singing, you. I'll tell you right now, we're on the Cinema Discovery Project again. We um, are. Um, back for another Spotlight. Uh, and if you don't know about our Spotlight episodes, we choose a film. Uh, we try to go through the whole film and kind of talk about it, talk about maybe some of the motivations of the character, talk about the characters, talk about the actors and filmmakers involved, and uh, try to get you more acquainted with the film. Um, but as usual, I'm Stephen Billings, and with me as always is – what's your name? Uh, Andrew Cabral. That's what they call me on my birth certificate. Is that it? Um that is it. That's what they say. I don't know. Oh, I wasn't there when they named me. Okay. Um, but once again, we are back for another spotlight. Uh, I forgot which number this is. I don't really keep I track. This is 10. Damn. 10. I guess the that, that must spotlight. be true. I must be true. Steven, Steven keeps all of our meeting minutes, I guess. Um, but the spotlight for this time is kind of a hidden gem, but not really because it's done by probably one of the most famous directors working today but it's one in his filmography that doesn't get brought up enough because i feel like yes. other films just kind of dwarf it you know what i mean they, they get talked about so much that you forget about this one and then when you bring this one up people are like what what movie's that never heard of it yeah. uh, but this is of course the king of comedy which is done by one martin scorsese and this came out in 1982 and i think this was the film he did right after raging bull yes. talk about one of his most you know, well-known films in Raging Bull, probably one of the best movies in his filmography of that of the decade of the 1980s. But this is one that came out right after it. It is a markedly different movie than any of his other films that had come out before it, and pretty much the films that came out after it to a certain extent. He is. Um, this movie is a dark satirical comedy. At least that's the way it was when it first came out. But as many great films have become, their meanings and their kind of context has changed over time. And I think this is one that that is definitely apropos. It's almost prophetic in many, it, it, many ways. Yeah, it's very much uh, even more uh, relevant today than it was when it came out because it was it's just so ahead of its time. Yes. Um, and, 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 you know, this was this film came out at the at the end of an era. Um, you know, at the end of the 70s, um, you know, kind of grimy um, films that, you know, that Scorsese, of course, was a part of, you know, with his Raging Bulls and his Mean Streets and his Taxi Drivers, uh, all being very gritty films. Um, and then now this movie kind of deciding to delve into social issues and and just kind of putting a spotlight on it without nailing it on the head. You know, you have to actually think. Uh, about what the movie's trying to say, um, it, you know, it kind of, kind of mirror, not mirrors in the sense of subject matter, but it, you know, like a movie like when we did um, Doctor Strangelove, you know, a movie yes. that's very much a dark satirical comedy that's, uh, you know, putting a spotlight on some very dark issues that, uh, you know, some people don't like to talk about, which is something we're dealing with, which is why we're kind of choosing this film, right? Um, in the first place, uh, because. 
the new Joker film is coming out. It's it's stirring controversy about its subject matter. And the thing is, is this movie, the new Joker film kind of in some ways mirrors uh, this film uh, in the, in the sense of uh, its kind of story structure and, and how the character moves through its film. Now we haven't seen Joker yet, of course, but no, based off the trailer, yeah, yeah, based off the trailer and based off of what I've heard, it very much kind of has a King of comedy um, way about it, maybe mixed with taxi driver. That's what it looks like to me in the way the way in which they showcase the Joker. Just judging by the trailers, just judging by what I've can guess, what I've heard is he he's kind of like a a more deranged Rupert Pupkin. Yeah. And you'll and when we get into this movie, you'll see the derangement that Rupert Pupkin has is it's unique. It's, it's more. Weird. It's more. It's more innocent and more naive than it's, it is. It's um, compl- it's an oblivious, yeah, uh, uh, derangement or psychosis versus something that is more aggressive or violent. Yeah. Which I mean, with when it comes to the Joker character, violence is always inherent within his character. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think that that's the the main difference with what the Joker film seems to be doing is that it's a, it's more of a statement about mental illness right um than what king of comedy is which is more about uh, obsession over celebrity uh, yeah. obsession you know c- celebrity um, culture and and um how people live through other people and not you know living their own lives and so yeah i mean it's it's there's some distinct differences but it's kind of the same structure um which cool enough de niro's in joker kind of playing the jerry lewis character from what we understand, yeah. For, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, what is interesting about The King of Comedy is this is a movie that was kind of in the works for a while. It was a yeah. movie that initially was going to be directed by um, other well, by by someone other than Martin Scorsese. It was actually originally going to be directed by Michael Cimino, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, couldn't do it because Heaven's Gate went so far over... Yeah, it was a, and it was time, a dud. And <laughs> that, career, that that movie you know, murdered his career for the yeah, lack yeah. of a better term. And I think at one point Bob Fosse was going to do it, and he wanted Andy Kaufman to be Rupert Pupkin, yeah. and yeah, and he wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to be the Jerry Langford character, and that that obviously didn't happen. Um, so it ended up in the hands of Martin Scorsese, and Martin Scorsese at the time was didn't know quite like what to do with the movie. He didn't know quite how to handle it initially. Cause I think Robert De Niro came to him with yeah, I was gonna script, say, like De Niro had years script, earlier, yeah, years yeah. earlier. And Robert De Niro kind of got the script from a film critic, Paul Zimmerman, I believe. And basically Paul Zimmerman based this movie on the idea of there are um, autograph hunters, people yeah, who just yeah. go around to collect autographs from a bunch of different, um, uh, you know celebrities and whatnot, and they'll get, they'll travel and they'll hunt them down. And you see that in this movie. We'll get into it. But like, what happens? I guess he maybe his idea was like, what happens if you take that autograph hunting to an absurd, obscene level where you're just obsessed with yeah. a specific celebrity? In this case, it's Jerry Lankford portrayed by Jerry Lewis. Um, Jerry Lewis, for those of you who do not know, he's he was, he passed away in 2017, but he was a comedian, actor, director, producer, singer, screenplay writer. He was a kind of a jack of all trades. He really got his rise 
to fame. I want to say in the fifties and sixties doing kind of screwball type, you know, we're um, oddball comedies and things like that. He's a comedic actor. Um, He, he was. And so him kind of slipping into this role, I think was kind of apropos because the Jerry Lankford character is basically just Jerry Lewis playing himself. Yeah. I was going to say it's very, it's very meta. Yeah. 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 It's just like, he's a late, uh, Jerry Lankford is a late night talk show host. And, Jerry Lewis wasn't, but it's kind of in the same vein as like a The Tonight Show or The Late Show, things that are on on still on television now. You know, back in the eighties, um, there was like Dick Cavett and there was um, Johnny Carson. That was the one I wanted to bring up. This is, I think is kind of more based on Johnny Carson and things like that. But I guess we can we can just dive into it right now. Sounds about apropos. So it literally it starts off transitioning from what I was just saying. With it opens with the uh, taping of the the show of the Jerry Lankford show, and we get to see and the way in which they shoot kind of the show in this movie it makes it look like you're watching it on television, circa like 1982, where it's got yeah. that four by three screen. It's rough looking because you know TVs back then don't look. There's no HD back then like no. there is now, so. It looks rather rough, and the film itself aesthetically looks looks rough. Like it, not rough. I say that not negatively, but just like aesthetically. Scorsese kind of uh, like took his like d- dirtiness and 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 um and grittiness from like his seventies movie and try yeah. and put it into a comedy to make it look aesthetically unpleasing. And I think he did that, you know, on purpose, just because. He he was shooting in New York, and you kind of have to give once you give New York that that grittiness, you kind of can't glam it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. And this movie's not a glam a glam movie. No, even though it's a kind of about quote unquote show business or someone trying to break into show business. Well, the thing the thing is too is though that, that some people, I mean, you, I guess it's categorized as so much of, someone of a comedy. It's right in in today's context. It's almost hard to look at this as a comedy. Oh, it's it, I'll say this. We'll get into it, but it is awkward. It's it, yeah. cringy on purpose, though. That's what kind of makes it so fascinating. Is everything in this movie is so purposely done to make it feel so unsettling? Yeah, and at least it's unsettling from a modern perspective. I don't know if that's how they felt like it was. I was going to say then. back then it might have been more funny you know it it might it might have looked at it as being more funny but today it just seems like a very disturbed person you know like oh that's... it's very difficult to watch especially if you're someone who is socially awkward who is yeah. you know doesn't man we're gonna we'll get into it. i don't want to say yeah, it's, it's... i don't want to explain everything before we actually yeah, show yeah, it let's just get, let's okay get movie, so yeah. opens up with the, the jerry lankford show it's like the big intro like you've seen all kinds of things you know tonight the such and such Tonight's is going to be uh tom hanks yeah uh, jack be... nicholson yeah you know yeah yeah anyway there's a bunch of different like guests and then jerry lankford comes out does his monologue and whatnot and then i believe it cuts to after the taping cuts to outside and just these the throngs of people waiting yeah. to see him to see jerry lankford he's obviously right away we know he's super super popular and there's just so many people with their autograph books and everything like that the security guy comes out and says just give me all your books he just grabs a bunch of books and takes them inside and i'm assuming you know to get signed and then he gives sure. them back later but there's just so many people and then rupert pupkin um what uh, walks up and he's like kind of wading through the crowd wading through the crowd 
And what's what is fascinating to me is right away people recognize him like, oh, hey, Rupert, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like this is a regular spot for these people, as well as Rupert Pupkin, where well, they he, probably he, go here like every night. Just well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is he, it's like he, it's his people, but the way Rupert's acting, he it's like he, you know, feels that he's above them. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, and, and it's just very much his character as you we go through the film is that he's very much in a sense, arrogant, you know, he's oh, very much self-involved. Delusional, delusionally yeah. arrogant. Yeah. And right away, like some people are like, okay, I'll trade you um, like such and such autograph for, for what, for whatever. He's like, yeah, I know I'm a, I'm above that now. So he says something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's not my thing anymore or whatever. And so Jerry Lankford comes out. Of course, he just gets bombarded by people. Yeah. Like people just throwing themselves at him. Women, especially, um, so he tries to get to his limo and he gets into, he gets to, and he, I think he gets inside and then some woman just jumps inside. And this is a woman who's going to play a bigger part in the movie later on, but it's portrayed by Sandra Bernhardt and it's a character called Masha and she's an uber stalker fan. We learn basically throughout the movie how crazy and deranged she is. Yeah. And she's just like, just like going after him, just pestering him. And then I think he leaves the limo and then she's just like, she just plasters herself against against the against the window, and and then that's when the opening credits hit, and that's when yeah, it does, it, it, comedy. It ends on the still of her hands on the on the on the window with Rupert looking in. Yes, um, and, and it's opening credits come up, come up with like you know the King of Comedy director Mark Scorsese, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And one one interpretation I, I I was listening to some other people talk about this film, and one interpretation which I really like about what that image means. Is that it's kind of like a TV screen, um, you know? She, you know, and it kind of reflects, you know, because uh, the poltergeist, you mm. know, the girl with her hands on the screen, and how, you know, and it kind of mirrors that, and like how, you know, this whole movie is about celebrity, and you know, the celebrities are on the TV, and she's like, you know, and he's he's on the TV, but he's not really in the center of the TV. He's kind of behind the hands, and it's kind of like right. he shouldn't really be there, and. You know, because very he's... interesting metaphor, physical yeah. metaphor. When I thought of like hands on a TV, I just think of that shot from uh, Ingmar Bergman's Persona. Of like, course, you would. Yeah, I don't know because it's literally the cover of the Ingmar Bergman box set from Criterion, yeah, and I yeah. just look at it all the time, so that's constantly in my mind. You just um, so you just sit on your couch and constantly <laughs> look at the Bergman set. Well, it's sitting right there on the table, so it's kind oh, of okay. not. It's right. hard to avoid, but Whatever. I just I just thought of that just because just that that sense coincidentally that movie is kind of about delusionment and just like psychosis and just crazy mind bending things and this woman is you know it's the Sandra Bernhardt character is very much like that so her yeah. kind of grasping at something fictitious believing it's real is kind of apropos but yeah. but moving past that um, they finally get her out of the car. And or they or she's no, she like rolls down the window, doesn't she? Or something like that. Well, Rupert, Rupert, yeah, go. Rupert keeps, keeps, helps, you know, with, of course, with his own intentions. Um, but, but he helps get, uh, Jerry back in it, get her out and get Jerry in his car. And then he jumps in at the last minute. Yeah. And then Jerry's Um, like, you got to get out of here. And, and he, and Rupert's like, you know, I I helped you out over there. You kind of owe me. He like, like, he gets a, there's like like a cut on his hand. He's like, look, I sacrificed myself. I put myself out there. Just, just let me ride with you. You can drop me up off, drop me off, off up the road or something like, you know, just let me, let me, let me talk with you for a second. Yeah, Let me talk with you. Let me talk with you. Um, 
basically Rupert's, you know, main thing is he wants to be a guest on Jerry Lankford's show as the comedian. Um, and he's basically trying to con- convince Jerry to like let him be on the show during this ride up back to Jerry's apartment. And basically, Jerry finally like kind of tells him, like, you know, there's there's like there's yeah, I can't just do that. There's there's ways, there's different things you have to do to get on there, all this kind of stuff. Basically, finally. Jerry says, you know, call my, I think it's an assistant or a secretary or something like that to set yeah. up this, to, to set something up or to, to work with me or something like that. Just because Rupert has, Rupert doesn't have any material. He doesn't have anything. He has to nothing to give him right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, no, he's just... he doesn't. He's got nothing to give him. But what but is, it, yeah, go on. I was going to say one of the things, and, it, and it, it, we'll go more into this as we go right. through the movie, but it's, it, it's delving into that mind of, of 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 a super of fans and 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 yes. how um they they think they know what ha- what goes on when it comes to these things like like you know Jerry Langford is the star of his show but he doesn't make the show like no. like he's got people to answer to he can't just just because he's the star make things happen it ain't up to him yeah um, there, I mean Stephen and I like we we're we're kind of locked into this now so we kind of understand certain ins and outs where like there's so much more that goes into pretty much any form of you know the entertainment world than we are than, than the general public is privy to like there are steps that you have to go through to get anything done i mean sure his recommendation would be great but yeah. it's like that he's got producers he's got people that you yeah, know this- have to okay letting some random dude come on yeah there's know? producers there's executives there's writers there's everything and then there's just the principle of we need to know whether you're good or not. <laughs> that, that, that's true, too. And then yeah. he doesn't know. So he basically he kind of brushes him off saying, oh, yeah, call whatever. And then what happened? And then you already know you're getting an inkling here about how Rupert is socially within yeah. this scene. But you get it even more when at the end, like Jerry's walking away up the he's stairs trying, to go to his apartment. To get- yeah. And then and then Rupert's just like, oh yeah, but Jerry, I got more to say, you know. And then he, he does won't it again. let him he go. Does it again. Yeah. He yeah, won't yeah. let him go. And you see people like Rupert Pupkin in the real world a lot, and I'm not talking about like obsessive, super dangerous people, something like that. Just people who are very socially unaware during conversations yeah, yeah. about like like how to read someone. Like someone doesn't really want to say anything else. Let them go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone does. Someone is not into this conversation. Just know when to fold and to get away. Yeah. Rupert Pupkin has none of those social cues in his repertoire at all. He's very socially inept. And that, that's seen throughout this movie. So the next shot we get is probably one of my favorite parts of this movie. I believe yeah. it's the next shot is it cuts from from there to a to him sitting down with with um Jerry Lankford and and they're sitting at a bar they're having a dinner or something like that uh, i think they're having a dinner and in your mind when you're watching this for the first time you're like oh wow they're cutting to a meeting that they're having already where were the steps yeah. before that but oh no oh no, no steven no, no, no. this isn't real <laughs> no 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 this is not real it, at it all. starts to become evident at once jerry really starts talking you see who he's talking to and he's talking this is a fantasy this is all in in Rupert's head. Not only that, um, but there's a there's a quick cut to a Rupert wearing different clothes that yeah. should cue you in right away that this isn't real. Yeah. So it keeps cutting back from um, Rupert's delusion of talking to Jerry and him sitting in his basement he's, talking to nothing. 
he says he's talking to cardboard cardboard cutouts. cutouts. And man, this is when we're like, this is when I was like, holy crap, this is this is something interesting. It's it's, it's like you can look at it and it's funny, but then you when you think about the reality of it, it's sad and it's disturbing. It's sad. It's disturbing, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting on so many different levels because it's very real. I think a lot for a lot of lonely people who, because obviously we see that uh, Rupert doesn't have any friends. He he's very. We'll see in the next scene. Literally, he's not very good when it comes to social interactions with women. So we're we're seeing a pattern here developing. So he's sitting there and he's just ta- he's talking to this fake Jerry and like Jer- like the. Jerry Langford wants to take some time off. He can't handle it anymore. He wants to take like a six week hiatus and he wants Rupert to take over for him. Once again, yeah. Rupert's like that, that. That's a fantasy for him. Yeah, that's a yeah. dream for Rupert to take over the show for Jerry. Langford. And, and, and what it's funny about it is, 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 is he plays it like it's real. It well, he plays it like it's, it's, I mean, ultimately, he thinks so, he's he he already thinks he's better than Jerry. Yeah, he plays it like, oh, I can't do it. I, I just, can't, I just you know, can't I just do can't, it. You know, like, Jerry, I can't. I just don't have it. I don't have the time. And he's like, he's like, and he's, and he's also like, he also brings up like, oh, perhaps Jerry has has brought this up before. Like, I know why you brought me here. I knew you were going to ask this. And yeah, then yeah. it's like, and then then the funny and then one of the funniest things. Is his mother keeps calling him yeah. from upstairs. And, and apparently it's Martin Scorsese's mom. It's Martin Scorsese's mom making a voice <laughs> cameo in the movie. In Goodfellas, she made a physical cameo and in Casino as well. But she makes a cameo in this movie, in this scene as well. But who also makes a cameo in this sequence as well is Kathy Scorsese, who is um, uh, Martin Scorsese's daughter from an earlier marriage. She's the woman oh. who goes up and asks for an autograph. Her name is Dolores. And then and he goes, he goes. Oh yeah, Dolores is my mother. Dolores is my father's name. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's got that delusion of people walking up to him in public asking for autographs. Uh, but when, but when he's down in his basement and and his mom keeps calling for him, he's like, Ma, what? What? It's you very know? much like a child. It's. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this. It is very real because I've done that on many occasions myself. <laughs> uh, many occasions. I may have done that tonight actually before recording this <laughs> like that is literally mm. how real it is the older you get while living with your parents the realer that scene becomes because yeah. you're trying to do stuff on your own granted in Rupert Pupkin's uh, experience it's a little delusional but he's still trying to do stuff by himself and just the mothers are just parents are just intruding on it and it's just fascinating fascinating to see so the next scene is he goes to a bar and it's a bar that I believe he frequents often because he knows the bartender woman, who I believe her name is Rita. Yes. And he's trying to charm her very awkwardly, Stephen. Very <laughs> cringeworthily. I don't know if you picked up on that. Where it's he's, a little weird. She doesn't even recognize him initially. And then she does. And she's trying really hard not to, like, offend him or not to, like... Like tell him off, but he's very oddly aggressive, weirdly like. Well, he's um, got he's got self he's got confidence. He's got mi- yeah, he's, misplaced. He's like, he's like benevolently aggressive, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like oh, that, that's kind of a, a like passive aggressive, but it's not really passive aggressive because he's like you know like he's he brought her like a flower or something. It's very awkward, 
their exchange. And he's like, yeah. he's asking, they basically, he asks her out for dinner that evening. And they go to dinner that evening. Um, and yet again, more awkward conversation ensues. Like he's telling her all kind of things that you don't tell people on a first date. I mean, Stephen, I don't know. If, I don't know how many dates, first dates you've been on, but saying some of the things he said are insanely awkward. Yeah. Where he's telling her like, you know, like right, going away with her and all kinds of things. And then he's showing her his autograph book. Um, and he go, he's like flipping through, flipping through it. Oh, to when he gets, he gets to a name. He's like, yeah, you may want to hold on to this one. This one's going to be big real soon. And it's his own autograph. Yeah, she didn't, really, she didn't like that. And it's like, he's trying to like line up jokes, like be the, funny and charming. And it's, it's landing is, is, badly. Is, is, is when you're on a date, especially with a woman, if you, you know, you're date, you're going out with a woman. Um, they, they don't want you to just talk about themselves the whole time. You yeah. gotta, you gotta ask them about themselves, and that's what he's not doing. He's literally yeah. just talking about himself and the things that he's doing and uh, his interests, and then of course boasting himself up uh, by saying he's going to be famous. Um, yeah, and which he and he's like saying that because he, he has Jerry Langford's autograph. He's like, yeah, Jerry and I are like we're we're great friends, and just saying all kinds of delusional lies and whatnot. And of course, that date ends pretty pretty poorly where basically she says that he needs mental help <laughs> basically yeah. that's her conclusion and she is not wrong Rupert Pupkin in modern day would be needed to see a therapist or something oh yeah uh, but the next day is he starts on his I would say journey uh, into our main storyline of the movie where he really wants to get onto the Jerry Langford show he, I don't know what he does for a regular job. I don't know if he's a courier of some kind. We don't really get, we don't really get a lot of backstory on Rupert Pupkin. What is interesting about this movie is the plot itself is very lean when it comes to, uh, like, like uh, character backstory and yeah. motivations and things like that. All we get is kind of very much on the surface, and it still works very well because we're able to get so much just by what we're given about the characters. So he's go he basically he he goes to his first uh like tr he's dropping off something and he says, Oh, can I use your phone? It's a local call. So he uses the phone. So he calls up Jer Jerry Langford's office. He's like, Is Jerry there? Thinking he's gonna talk directly to Jerry, even though we literally saw that Jerry said to call his like secretary or assistant. So he calls up there. Of course, Jerry Langford's not gonna take his call. Damn. So he says, Oh, I'll call back later. So the next the next scene we see is him outside at a payphone in the middle of like Times Square, like <laughs> hogging a payphone, calling him up. And of course, he gives the number of the payphone. He's like, Oh, yeah, I'll be here. Make sure you call this. So he just stands there like all day yeah. waiting for this phone call. He, that he, obviously he's never you going realize, to realize yeah, you realize in the movie he's he's very much willing to waste his time and, and sit somewhere all day to meet with Jerry. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. It gets him into a lot of trouble as we'll see. Yeah. So he ends up going to the, um, the build, the, the building, the office building, corporate building, whatever, and tells the secretary, I'm here to see Jerry Langford. Uh, we talked uh, a couple of nights ago. He told me to come see him. Da, 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 da. So he waits and, the secretary, I believe, comes out to see him, if I'm not wrong. The woman that Jer that Jerry told him to see. And then she's like, oh, like well, she's yeah, she's very nice. She's like she's very, you know, very cordial, very nice. Yeah. And this is kind of how you have to deal with the people like Rupert. 
um, people who are very delusional, as if you will, or you know, they probably get the thing is they probably get so many of these people that there's probably literally a handbook on how to deal with yeah. them. You yeah. don't you don't act aggressive. You don't you know yell at them. You don't threaten them. You don't do anything like that. You kind of just play into them and just kind of make them go away as easy as you can. You know what I mean? Kind of make them just leave the building as quickly yeah. as possible. Well, yeah, she she she's like, you know, we'll be happy to listen to something. Um, and he, of course, doesn't even have a tape. He thought he was going to just be able to get on the show by just showing up. Well, she mentions uh, like, you know, like, where are you? Like, where do you work out of? Like, because he, he says he's a stand-up comedian. And for those of you who are not in the stand-up comedian world, basically you have to start out at the bottom, bottom by doing like, open mic nights and, and yeah. doing the small clubs and really working your material uh, diligently and from what we've seen rupert doesn't do that <laughs> no he, he's very much he, he very much lives through others and only once they get the which is very much why i say it's more relevant today is that people don't want to work hard to become famous they want to just be famous um shockingly how how appropriate is that you say that because how many times now does someone become internet famous for doing something silly or something yeah. that's inconsequential something that's dumb or something that's or something that's ridiculous crazy or something uh, that's which, crazy which is oh. which is what we'll get to later in the movie but yeah i mean like i mean i mean what's interesting is the internet age it kind of uh, led to a lot of Rupert Pupkins, <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. And Rupert Pupkins, uh, just 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 uh, every there's got it. It's like normal now. It's yeah. If anything, he's tame he's compared tame. to what yeah. people are do what people do now. So he 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 he's like okay. So he goes and he wants to, he goes and tries to start recording um some His, stuff on tape. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like a faux like what it would be like if. He was on Jerry Langford's show, where he does like he he has the intro playing, and it does all the, like the the people who are on the show, and then he goes and the king of comedy, right up and coming king of comedy, Rupert Popkin. Yeah. But before he even gets into that, he has like this really like couple of minute long like thing where he just goes off like thanking like Jerry, I thank you for your time. Da 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 da. da, da. It's like man. People don't want to hear this. <laughs> People <laughs> really don't want to hear. Just get to it. You know what I mean? Just get to it. But he is not aware of that. So he he doesn't. In the middle while he's doing his act, his once again, his mother calls down from from upstairs, like, Rupert, what are you doing making all that noise at this time? And it's like, and he just can't like like he can't he, he can't function. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's stuck in a kind of a state of, you know arrested development from a certain you know perspective and it's very interesting uh, very very interesting now steven i can't remember if this is the time yeah because this is when he's he starts recording again but in a much lower voice and there's like this weird sequence where he he's kind of standing in front of a picture yes. of a crowd yeah, and yeah. he and in his head he can hear the cheers, and he just work, he thinks he's working the crowd, yeah. and and then there's a great kind of camera shot of kind of an elongated hallway shot, um, really really interesting. Um, yeah, it's, then, probably, it's probably the most probably the most gorgeous shot of the the film. I would say I, so. I would the, say yeah. The film has very static aesthetic where it's just kind of a lot of not a lot of um, 
cross-cutting or things like that, or a lot of elaborate editing techniques. I think Scott says he purposely shot it flat. He actually, uh, from what I was reading, he tried to shoot it like he was shooting a silent film, where it yeah. would be a lot of static uh, uh, aesthetics where things are just playing out in the screen. And that happens a lot because there's a lot of great dialogue in this movie. And it's really, really interesting because I think we skipped over when he left the the Jerry Langford's office the first time, he runs into the Sandra Bernhardt character again. And what we learn is that they are acquaintances somehow, because I'm assuming well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that they both Jerry Langford fans, they both tried to get his attention a lot. And she and she like, wants him she wants yeah. him to give him a letter. Yes. And yeah. he's like, but he's like, oh yeah, like Jerry, like Jerry and I are friends now. I can't do that. I can't betray his trust. I'm not gonna if he sees me with you. Da, 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 da. And what is interesting is a lot of that. Uh, a lot of those people on the street are just regular people. They're not like extras. Um, yeah. It's very, very interesting. And I believe there's yeah. And she's like just they're back and forth. Their dialogue together as they're walking and talking is so vapid. I think a lot of it's improvised. A well, lot of stuff I think was improvised in general throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, the, the, her her name, uh, I can't, what's her name again? Uh, Masha, that's her character's yeah, name. Yeah, well, yeah, she, apparently Scorsese um, casted her for the fact that she was had a very naturalistic acting style, mm. uh, and because she was very good at ad-libbing. Um, so they wanted it. They wanted so very much. A lot of them scenes are just off the top of their head, not in the script. Um, oh, they so, very, yeah. yeah, they very much are. Um, so they have an acquaintance, and that that acquaintance that I don't even know. They're not even friends. I don't even know what they are. He doesn't have any real friends. He doesn't, he doesn't have any friends. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's just like, but they're gonna do. They're gonna team up later on um, for like the main part of the mo- main part of the movie. But basically, the first hour of the movie is Rupert Pupkin trying to get onto the show. So he he does his tape, um, and I and he goes back, and I can't remember. There's a sequence, Stephen. I don't I th- know. I think, I think we I think we we get a shot of uh, Jerry walking through the neighborhoods first. Yeah, is that, I want is that. Not, I was kind of trying to remember that time where he's in his basement. He has a cutout where he sits. He sits in the middle between Jerry and. Um, and uh, and Liza Minnelli, the guest was. Yeah. And, and and Liza Minnelli, and it, I can't remember when that specific part occurs, but there's there's a moment. I guess I'll bring it up now. There's a moment where he where he once again is pretending he's on the show, and he sits yeah yeah sits between. He has a chair set up, and it sits between a cut, cardboard cutout of Liza Minnelli and Jerry Langford. And what is interesting is that Liza Minnelli and Martin Scorsese had like a thing back in the seventies. A relationship and affair mm. or something like that um so i thought that's that rather interesting that she's in this in the movie as a cardboard cutout yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he also directed her in new york new york okay. uh which was one of his films that i think it was the film that came out after um taxi driver i think he okay. did new york new york which also starred robert de niro as well robert de niro was a saxophone player in that movie i remember Okay. Um, so anywho, that that happens. I just remember that being another odd situation. But as you were saying, there is a sequence where Jerry like walks through. Uh, he's like, walking the to he's walking to his office from his apartment. Mm, yes. Yeah, and and, and, and and you know everybody's saying hey to him. They right. all notice him, and there's one particular interaction that's funny yet Hilarious. you know says a lot about once again fan culture, where a, a lady 
some older lady no- notices him and she's on the phone and he, you know, wants her to sign, wants him to sign something. He signs something. And then he wants her to talk on the phone to his sister. And he says, well, I got to get, I can. I, and then she basically says, I want you to die. Uh, no, get, not only that, get, get, cancer. get cancer and die. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that line was improv and they just left it in. <laughs> yeah. so, wow. so it tells you a lot about entitlement, you know, like yeah. how entitled people are. Fans, you know, fans of these Marvel films, and any fan, you know, especially Star Wars now. Oh my goodness, fandom right now is at such a fever pitch of insanity that it it's it's crazy. And I don't mean, and I'm saying that in a general sense. Of course, there's regular fans who are just you know normal fans. They they love whatever property it is. But then there's like crazy crazy fans who do have a sense of entitlement, and they are and they. They have a lot of very strong opinions about things, and often those strong opinions are just them screaming, you know, violent things like "get cancer and die." Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> and and this movie came out in 1982, and that's long, long before the the world of social media and the internet. And yeah. it just shows you that 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 fandom can that, go. I, that, that was there. It was there. It just wasn't easy. We, we just didn't really know about it because we aren't, we weren't, we weren't as connected as we are now. Well, so no, there's this delusionment that all of kind of the social media problems with people and social media culture, all of a sudden kind of cropped up over the last couple of years. No, people have been like that for decades. It, there's just an easier way for them to vocalize it to millions yeah. and millions of people. And there's just, you notice more of them because they can, just they can, spread, they can spread their bullshit faster, know, more. faster and wider. And yeah, that's what you see in this movie. But getting back to kind of, you know, the stream we're going on with Rupert Pupkin's journey to the Jerry Langford show, uh, the night he goes and delivers his tape and the woman says, okay, well, you know, we'll get back to you. You know, basically say, basically saying, like, we'll get back to you eventually. And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. when do you... And of course, he, him being him, he's like, oh, when do you think that's going to be? Which is like, oh, man, you're lucky you even have it. He, like, uh, in the most cases, you should be lucky you even have a tape. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe the end of the week, uh, maybe by next Monday. Yeah, yeah maybe I, by Monday. He's like, oh, I'll wait. You know, I'll wait. just wait here. I'll just wait and see if Jerry comes <laughs> I'll, in. I'll just wait. I'll just wait here. <laughs> She's like, oh man, I mean, Jerry, we're busy today. It's probably not going to be me tomorrow. She she even goes to the length of saying, you know what? Check back tomorrow. We'll probably have it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And she even like like goes back on it to even like be gracious enough to give him a time, like an, an early time. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I'll still wait. <laughs> and it's like, and man, he just doesn't get it. Just doesn't get it. And of course. He wants, um, he, he wants uh, you know, instant immediate, gratification. Immediate yeah. satisfaction. Thinking, because in his mind, he thinks he's that good to the point where he should get, like, special treatment because of it. And he does end up leaving. And and what is interesting is that he has another delusion, delusional, like, like um, episode where he thinks, where he's, where Jerry has listened to the tape and thinks it's fantastic. He thinks it's like the best tape he's ever heard. And of course that doesn't turn out to be the, to be the true because when he goes back to, yeah. uh, when he goes back, the woman says, yeah, we listened to it. Whether they actually listened to it or not is up for debate because they kind of hand him back the exact same packaging looking yeah, the exact yeah. same way looks like they did not even open it yeah, yeah which i'm pretty sure they probably get hundreds hundreds of of tapes from p- 
people who think they they're good enough to be on the show. This this probably happens now all of the time. Oh yeah. yeah. This happens in the movie world, this happens in the music world, this happens in the art world. This happens all the time where people submit their work and 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 these places are just getting so much of it that you don't know whether they actually see it or not. And chances are chances are bad that you're going to get you know, approved, or you're going to get a yeah. job, or you're going to get something. I mean, it, it would be a, a great world if, like, Stephen and I submitted a screenplay and they, and all of a sudden, got bought by a studio. You know what I mean? Like instantly. Mm -hmm. But that never happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it would be nice if we, like, like Stephen and I moved to Hollywood and got and got jobs directing movies right off the bat. Like sure, that would be cool. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. That would have happened, right? Think, things like that don't happen. And of course, for Rupert Pupkin. She graciously tells him, you know, we listened to it, you know, we like some of your stuff, some of your line one-liners weren't so great, but your timing was good, but we just don't think you're ready for this, for the show. The and show, yeah. of course, we keep working. We, we, we want you to keep working on it and whatnot. And he's like, well, you know, tell me, tell me the lines and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll get, I can get rid of those lines. Yeah. I don't have to have them in there. I can work those out. And then, of course... She's like, yeah, yeah, you do that, whatever. She's just trying to get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, and of course, Rupert is not taking no for an answer, not taking rejection well. And he decides that he's basically going to sit in there until he can talk to Jerry directly because he doesn't believe that this woman's um, like qualified to judge his work. Only Jerry can judge his work. Yeah, because he, he specifically says something. He's like, so wait, so are you speaking for Jerry? Yeah, are you speaking for Jerry? And she's like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, he trusts my judgment. And, and what Rupert doesn't understand is what we mentioned earlier is that, of course, Jerry doesn't listen to any of the tapes that come in. Of course, it's underlings that listen to tapes. That's the way that happens in every industry. Do you, I mean... You know how many times a screenplay is probably passed around in Hollywood before it ever reaches like final version of production yeah. or before it even reaches like uh, like an executive's hands? You know, it probably gets read by so many people who are just called readers who are yeah. just like their job is literally to read screenplays and to up and to basically either approve them or not approve them. And they're not like they're not like anybody like of any note they're just people with jobs essentially and that happens all of the time so he decides he's going to sit in there he's going to stay just sitting and of course he's just sitting there and sitting there and then of course security gets called and the security guy says it's like yeah well, you know talk to me outside talk to me outside and rupert is not he's not he's not being too friendly he's not budging really and then eventually the guy the guy escorts him out and then Sandra Bernhardt's character, Masha, is there, and she basically coaxes him to go back in because she's like, oh, yeah, Jerry's <laughs> there. He's in his office. Da, da, da. You know what I mean? They lied to you. They Because he's like, oh, yeah, they told me he wasn't, they told me he wasn't there. Da, da, da. And then so he goes and he storms in, basically. Yeah. First of all, there's no security on, in that office whatsoever. Like, I would have a security guard at least at the doorway, and there isn't. There's just a, a rather old, very a rather polite... Um, secretary who when she sees rupert she goes oh no Jeez. and then she picks up the phone calls security again thought it was kind of funny and he's walking in through all throughout down all the hallways down into all the offices and it's actually all done in one sh and it looks like one shot yeah, so you and just and i love it don't yeah, get it out 
Yeah, I love the shot where it stays in like this cubicle area, and you just see a doorway, and you see yeah. like cops running by. It's yeah, almost like a, by. it's almost like a Three Stooges, Stooges situation yeah, or it's something. Like, almost like a Scooby Doo type situation. Yeah, where it's one door, you see Rupert go by, then you see cops go by, then you see <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, eventually so they get them. They know? and they forcefully throw them out. And they say, if you come back here, we're calling the police. Yeah. And then, and then that's that's and you would think that would be the end of that. But oh no, 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 Rupert, no. no, Rupert, what are we doing? Rupert decides to go the next level. Um, and the next level, which is obviously to try to find Jerry at it. Try to at, find Jerry at his like summer home, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he finds even, he finds out that he goes to this this place and and decides to take him and his who he probably thinks is his girlfriend, um, with him. Rita. Yeah, Rita. <laughs> and they go on a train. And he's just there, like he's there. He's talking as if he's living a completely other life. Like he's like his brain slips into an alternate dimension where he's like, "Oh yeah, Jerry said we're gonna meet there a thing. We're gonna do this, da 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 da." da. And it's like, and you're watching this. You're like, "Oh my goodness, this is not gonna end well." And what is so brilliant about this movie is you know that the cringy and the awkwardness and bad things are coming, yet you still you still want to see them happen yeah. it's very similar and i mean it's it's a different degree to you know people on the highway they see an accident and they just can't help but slow down and look yeah. you know what i mean the rubberneckers i think they call them and yeah, they just and can't they just can't do it they just can't yeah. stop and with you just can't help but see like man what what is he gonna do now that's gonna be so outlandish so he decides to go and invite himself to jerry langford's <laughs> summer home yeah and, and, and he and shows does... up there like he like he's an old acquaintance like he's an old college buddy and does, he, does he have his 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 vision before we get to it though? Which does vision? he have his, the vision of his wedding? Oh wow! I think he does have that beforehand. Yeah, I think he has it before he goes on this trip. Um, yes, where he goes, it's it, it's yeah. Jerry, basically, they're having his wedding on the show. Like he, he's surprised. Yes, and um, one of the guests is going to marry him, and Jerry's his best man, and you know it. it it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, isn't it like his parents there or or something? Uh, not his parents, but yeah, it's he has this delusion of getting married on the show, and obviously it just doesn't go that way at all. Yeah. So he shows up, and um, the the caretaker of the house, the who is a who is a known actor too. Um, trying to I think was, of his name. I was just about to say the Alfred of the house, but that's not him that's not right um but i know i know the actor you're talking about and his apparently his lines like throughout that scene were, were completely improv um is it chuck no not chuck low no that's managed chinese restaurant yeah i don't know if we want to stand on this for too long but if you want to look at i think it's, i'm looking it up oh hey, kim chan okay yeah, yeah, kim, it, yeah. yeah he plays a character known jano I'm looking at it right now on IMDb. But he, he's shown up in a lot of movies. He was, uh, you know, he was in Luther Weapon Four. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. He was in the Fifth Element. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sixteen Blocks. I guess we won't talk about that. Um, he was in Shanghai Nights. Um, yeah, he was in a, a lot. Of, he was. He was actually in Kundun, who, which is another ah, yes. Bond Scorsese film, as Second Chinese General. He was also <laughs> in Private Parts. He was. He was in, in uh, Wayne's World Two. Oh, was he? he was, was he the, the father? father? Yeah. He's oh the my father. goodness! Well, that's what you should have opened up with, Stephen. I know. I, I, know, I don't know. I was, what I, what I was right away. 
<laughs> Was he the father? Yeah. In Wayne's World too. I don't know. I can't see it here. Dude, uh, I, I know it is. Come on, man. Confirm it for me. I, I know can't confirm. I'm, I'm, I'm on his IMDb, and it's not here. Dude, it has to be him. I don't think it is. Oh, he my God. In... It's breaking my heart. <laughs> it's breaking my heart. I don't think he is, no. Oh, that's that's not right. I could look up Wayne's World, He too. has a twin, then. <laughs> uh, no, nah, it's J- oh. James Hong is the Oh, father. okay, yeah, that's a much more famous actor. Damn it. They look almost exactly alike. I know that sounds right? racist, but it's not. But, um, but... So they say, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Jerry is Jerry. He goes, Jerry home. And he goes, hey. he's like, oh, no, he walks. He doesn't even ask for Jerry. He walks no, in and he says, just... like, he says, like, you know, uh, yeah, put my put our things in like the, the big bedroom and, da, 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 and all kinds of stuff. And and the guy's like, Jerry's not here. And the guy's and he goes, like, where's well, the alcohol? Was y'all yeah. golfing? Yeah. Was y'all golfing? I hope he's going to shoot. A, you know, he's going to shoot less than 100. Ha 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 ha. He's talking referring to like, uh, you know par shooting in golf you the lower the score the better and whatnot but the guy just keeps telling him yeah cherry's not here and he's like oh that's okay we'll just wait for him and he's like and the guy doesn't know what to do what to say because rupert pumpkin is so delusionally convincing he's so pushy he's so he's so naturally delusional that like you believe him you know what i mean if you never met this guy before this guy he's almost like a car salesman yeah, a, he's that like in a way he's like he's like that level of convincing. Yeah. Oh, but car salesmen, you can kind of tell they're lying to you because they're so over the top. Rupert just so naturally like talking like you wouldn't it's what believe leads that him he's to almost being a sociopath. Like he's, you know, like though he's doesn't really he's not really that dangerous. Like he's not shown any aggression, but he's obviously narcissistic and he's obviously. Uh, he, you know, he lies very easily. But he does um, lie very easily. But he almost lies with awareness. Versus, I think sociopaths are don't like they lie like deliberately. You know what I mean? Like, like they lie. Well, like, yeah, that, I mean, that's... while Rupert is like he's doing this, he's lying, and he knows he's lying. Whereas I don't think sociopaths know they're lying. Yeah, I, he Maybe, might be so delusional that he doesn't yeah. realize. What is reality and what is not? You know, he he yeah. thinks that he's uh, got an in with Jerry that he doesn't really have. Yeah, he so he thinks he friends. thinks that he's not. He doesn't think he's lying. No, you know. So he he's in there. He pour he's pouring himself some drinks. They have music playing. They're like they're dancing together. And yeah. and, and first of all, he's convinced uh, his he's convinced his companion or his uh, woman he thinks Rita. his girlfriend whatever Rita that this is all true that like think she's gonna be Jerry Langford they're gonna have a they're gonna spend a lovely weekend here all this kind of stuff and uh, Jono calls up Jerry Jerry and he's like this guy he could he, he you know in in of course broken <laughs> English and whatnot you know you, you know and then your friend showed up and all this kind of stuff and he sh- and the Jerry shows up with with um golf club in hand with uh, I think his golf <laughs> His golf, his golf gloves are still on, and he shows up, and he's like, "Where are they?" And then they're walking down from downstairs, and he and Rupert just talks to him like, "Oh, Jerry, you're finally here. How'd it go at the, go- <laughs> at the golf course? Like, like a regular conversation, like yeah. nothing's wrong." And and Jerry doesn't even say anything. Like Jerry just stands there with a with a look on his face of pure, like hatred and contempt, like just like so beside himself and rupert just keeps talking and he's like jerry why aren't you saying anything that's it's <laughs> like oh we have all this you know and he's like 
and he's and then he he actually brought like work for them to work on i guess like to work on his material or something thinking that like jerry would have like you know graciously welcomed into his home and and all this kind of stuff and i feel so bad for rita who was just caught up in this and well, she right away picks up that this is not right you know well, I mean? as much as i feel bad for her i'm just wondering how she got this far like i don't yeah, like, yeah. Like, like does she have an attraction to him at all why is she there <laughs> i have no idea they didn't they actually they did that's the one thing that's kind of a gap there where we just go from you know like, him being kicked is out she of that just wanting that. is she just going with him because she feels bad for him or is she with him because she thinks she's going to meet a star or or does she actually like him at all like i, I want I, I don't get that i don't get any kind of like vibe that she actually has romantic feelings for no him. no but i i, I, I would assume it's more it that she feels bad for him yeah they don't really develop that much at all really at all um but she quickly picks up that things aren't the way they're supposed to be she's like she's like rupert let's just leave let's just leave and he's and rupert's resistant of course and then jerry pretty much yells at him finally finally yeah just tells him like you are one crazy like i i forgot the terms you basically insults him (laughs) he insults him and he's just like he's like he calls him a moron he he calls him a moron and and kicks him out and and this is when kind of our this is actually when, if you read any synopsis of this movie, this is when that synopsis actually kicks in. Yeah. Because up until this point, we're about an hour or even over an hour well, into, the, into hour, the movie. Yeah. But the movie moves quick. The movie is about yeah. an hour and 49 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, with credits. So just uh, about 10 minutes under two hours. And which is kind of short for Scorsese movies. His films seem to go yeah. to that two hour mark and over. A lot yeah, r- lately, he's he's hitting he's three pushing. hours all the time. Oh, I couldn't really imagine what the Irishman's going to be. I can't. Oh, wait. it's three and a half hours. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I mean, luckily, I mean, I know we're physical media junkies. We're looking at all the movies and stuff, but I'd rather sit three and a half hours in my home than sit three and a half hours in a movie theater. Sure. Personally, well, I don't. That didn't matter to me. No, um, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't want to be around strangers that long. That's just me, my so my social. Sure, I get off, it. My, my social anxiety. Um, I get it. But all, but I guess this episode actually also functions as kind of a pre a pre show to The Irishman, which is coming out sort of. in theaters November first in limited. And I'm assuming by limited they mean L.A. and New York and no place else. <laughs> and even though I know it's play, it's playing at festivals right now, it just played at the New York Film Festival and got rave reviews. No big shocker there. But it comes out November 27th on Netflix for everyone to watch. So this kind of functions as a double episode talking about Joker as well as The Irishman. So Rupert Pumpkin makes his next uh, move in this in his journey to get onto the show. And this is when he decides that along with Masha, they're going to capture Jerry at gunpoint and hold him hostage. Which the gun that they use is not a real gun. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like it like it's a dark like gun. Darts yeah. or like little like nerf thingies. Um, and they capture him, uh, which I, I would kind of and that bothers me, but like. If Jerry Lankford's that big of a star, you'd think he would have a personal bodyguard around him at all times. You'd think. Just because just because the way the movie sets him up at the beginning as being a, a superstar to the point where people are throwing themselves at him, he needs like personal security all the time. That like, that and the fact that when it happens, nobody sees it happen. No, no one's around him at all. It just kind of happens. Nobody's like, oh wait, hey, because you know, we already seen the 
a scene where he's walking through and everybody's like, hey, it's Jerry. Hey. And then in this moment, nobody notices Jerry and then gets picked up and nobody says anything. <laughs> no. And I think it's done. Isn't it done at night? No, it's, they kind done, of, it's, it's in broad daylight. It's on broad daylight because I know they stalk him for a little bit. Like they they they, they wait for him to leave his apartment yeah, and to go yeah. for his walk that we were just talking about. Yeah. And that's when they pick him up. Like they hold him at gunpoint, force him in the car. Then they bring him to Masha's place. And apparently Masha, from what we heard a little bit of dialogue earlier, is that Masha is kind of well off financially. She lives yeah. in like a penthouse or yeah. something like that. And what we see is she does live in like a rather nice a penthouse apartment. Yeah. Um, and we don't get much backstory on her, but obviously she's a little well off. But what we learn is that she's a kind of super stalker of Jerry. She is like she, next she, level. She, wants, she wants to have sex with him. Yeah, she <laughs> wants him in every sense of the word. Yes. Um, physically, obviously, like Stephen just said. Um, and so they bring him there and they they start their their they 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 call them up to their demands. Uh, and it's actually a really funny scene. I mean, talk about darkly comedic. They have him, they have him call up uh, the producer, and they have Jerry call up the producer, and and Rupert's going to sit there with cue cards for him to read off of. And these <laughs> cue cards are like out of order, upside down, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's got like bamboozled. he's like in the middle of saying stuff like, uh, "If you don't adhere to my demands, and you will next- never see you will never see him again." Yeah, and I'm but it's like, like it, but it's like the most plain message ever, and he's got cards for it. And then he's got like 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 the sentence will end, and then the next card will be blank or upside down. Um, and it's, he has to stop, even though we know where the where the sentence is going. Yeah, we have to stop obvious. because yeah. <laughs> and Jerry's like, oh, cards blank, and Jerry's like, he's like cards upside down, and then and then Rupert's like he picks up, he's like oh, and he's like shuffling them around, and then he turns it back over, and then and then like the a bunch at the bottom will just fall out. It's just a, it's just hilariously inept, and yeah. that's kind of like the the comedy of this movie is just Rupert's just a completely inept person, and just doesn't know how to do anything right. He's yeah. like kind of almost like an Inspector Clouseau type guy, where he's just like that like inept in 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 every way so they call up makes of the man's rupert wants to be the first guest on the show tonight uh i don't know if it's tonight or whatever the next show is going to be he wants to be the first guest um or like i guess maybe they threaten like jerry's gonna get killed or something they have him at gunpoint or something and and of course like the studios like uh, the the people at the studio are like deciding like can we do this? Should we do this? What do we, like what's what's our liability? What's this and that? And there's like there's a scene with all of like kind of like the producer and the, and everybody you know the executives in there saying like are we going to be liable for this? Like what if he says something? What if he says something coded online? That's like a coded terrorist message. Yeah. And all of a sudden like fifty people die. Like are we going to be <laughs> like we can't have that happen? And and basically they 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 do all that and they decide that they're gonna they're gonna they'll tape them. But we don't necessarily have to put his tape on, uh, air it tonight. Yeah, they, they, they hook up with the FBI. <clears throat> yes, uh, they do. Yeah. And they, and, and they, and yeah, go on, go on what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, they hook up with the FBI and they decide they're going to pre-record whatever it is mm, and that it's going to go, yeah, and, and, well, that it's going to definitely air because, <laughs> um, you know, no matter what they do, I mean, it, it, the, the main concern is to get Jerry back. Yes. You know. So uh, Rupert leaves Jerry in the care of Masha and decides to go make a follow-up call at 
a payphone. Um, and he calls them, say, and they want like they want to talk to Jared. They want like you know proof of life, proof that he's okay. And he's and then in, and then he's like, well, I have a, I have an article of clothing from him that I'll I'll show you as proof and and whatnot. And he also goes like, I know that you're I know that you're recording this call. I heard the click. I understand what you guys are doing. And and basically, he goes to the studio and he. And he, he 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 weaves his way in. Yeah, he does um, weave his way in. But what he does is he shows up there, and and some you know what happens is somebody's supposed to be on the show, and it's a writer yeah. who's there with like his family and all this kind of stuff, and like the, the security guards like, uh, what's your name? And the and they look looks up the list, and the guy's well, name's he, on the list, and I'm assuming that guy just got bumped because of Rupert. Well, Pumpkin. yeah, I was gonna say it's like <laughs> what's funny is is the thing that happens to to Rupert happens to somebody that's actually supposed to be on the show. Yeah. Yeah, somebody you know. who's actually like accomplished something in their life. This guy's like a like an author who's written a book, and he he gets like thrown Which, off. Or, to or me, roof. is very much a metaphor for the fact that stuff that's happening today. People without talent are getting the spotlight, and people that don't have talent are getting left behind. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the caveat, or that's the kind of randomness of the modern internet world, where you kind of just get lucky. You know what I mean? It does. Talent doesn't necessarily dictate success anymore, uh, because it's because the platform is such. Is as so long wide. as as long as the public wants you, you're yeah. okay. Yeah, very true. So he he slips in while that chaos is happening, and he's actually dubbed his name over the phone as the king, which yeah. is very very um, egotistical, <laughs> if you ask me. And so he walks in and he goes to like the camera guy. He's like, "I'm the king." And he's like, where am I? Where where should I go? And the guy's like, oh yeah, go, the guy doesn't over. know anything about. The guy knows on. nothing about him, right? He goes, yeah, go. So you'll, yeah, you're gonna go to the back. You, you're, you're, the your dressing is... room is is set up in the back with a throne. It just yeah. it the doors marked king, and and then, so he, but he ends up running into that secretary slash assistant again, and she's like, well, no, what it's, are you the, doing it's here? the executive woman. Yeah, the executive woman who saw him before. Yeah, well, you said secretary. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, That's, was she's not? Is she an executive? No, she, no, she's an executive. Is? Yeah, that woman, the blonde woman that gets his tape is. Oh, I guess yeah. I guess I was. I was the old, old lady is the secretary. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay, so I, so go back and just dub in executive. Yeah, we, we had it right earlier. <laughs> oh, I kept saying we, secretary slash assistant. Oh, did you? I don't know. Yeah, so just go back. I and, assume she was an executive. Somewhere. I mean, she's some. Yeah, she she's in production somewhere. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I just assumed that. Right. But, but, um, but snip out executive and just it, put it back. I got it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, who cares? Right. But we know, you know who I'm, we're talking you know I'm about. Not gonna, you know I'm not going to edit this right now. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I thought I had him this time. Um, But no, but he runs into her again, get back, getting back on track. And she obviously doesn't know that it's him. And 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 he goes, uh, I'm the king. And of course, she knows what that means. Yeah. So she brings him to the back. And the first people to get him are, of course, the, the authorities. Yeah. The... The um, the the FBI people that are that are working the cops or not maybe not cops but the authorities, and they they sit him down and start questioning him like, you know, do uh, uh, were you were you involved with the kidnapping of Jerry? He says, yes, I'm the one who did it. Uh, they I, first he shows him like a handkerchief or something that's at Jerry's to prove that it's that Jerry is yeah. still that he's yeah. the one. Yeah. And then they sit him down and question him. And then they said, Do you, will you lead us to Jerry? And he says, no. And he's like, and then, you know, just kind of standard, you know, questioning. And then 
And then he goes, and then he goes like, I think I should, I think I should get the makeup. Yeah. <laughs> because he because he's like because uh, he's he, he's gonna be on the show and he's and the guy's like oh yeah we'll we'll get you the makeup we'll, we'll, well yeah we'll the guy's like real I, good. I, I can put some red in your face yeah, I can put some red in your face basically <laughs> meaning they can beat him up yeah 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 so yeah and and it ends on a kind of the you know after the guy says that and then he's like ha, 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 I really think I should get the makeup <laughs> yes I, yeah. I, I gotta go in soon and then it kind of cuts there soon. yeah it's got it, it cuts, cuts there. there. And I believe we cut to well, we cut back and forth between yes. that that and and back at the apartment. Oh my where, goodness, where things where are getting weird. It's things getting weird. weird, and she Jerry, start, yeah. yeah, Jerry is tied up like with like well, he's he, wrapped he's in duct up. tape significantly. <laughs> yeah, he's wrapped in. It's duct not tape. even good tape. It's like 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 painter's tape or something. Yeah, I don't even think it's good duct tape to be it's, honest. It's, it's, it's not, not duct tape. It's like masking tape. Yeah, or something like well, anyway, there's, not... a, there's a lot of it, and he's tied to yeah. a chair. Yeah, and Sarah and Masha decides to basically talk to him as if they're on some type of candlelit date because she's got like she's got the like all the candles lit up, and they're sitting at a dining table, and she's just confessing every dark, deep secret she has about him. Um, and that's when things that's when things get a and little. Then she, and then she starts to undress. Yeah. No, not even that. But she's like, she's like, uh, like, what if I, you know, wouldn't it be great if I just cleared off this table right now? And then, and what is interesting <laughs> to me, she, she, she clears off the table, and there's like, there's like a significant candelabra with candles like fully on fire. <laughs> like she just knocks off onto the ground. I'm like, that, that may catch on fire. Yes, that yes, looks dangerous. And then she proceeds to, um, like you said, get undressed and. She's and then it, I think it cuts, she's essentially I think it, going to sexually assault him. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I think it cuts really away. dark, but from a modern context. Oh yeah, and I think um, it cuts away, and it gets back to Rupert where he's um, getting ready to go on stage and do his act again. Well, I think it doesn't. It cut to to him with the guys, and they stop at that bar, right? Well, yeah, no, well, yeah. well, they show his whole performance first. They show his whole performance at the bar, though. Well, at the bar, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what happens is they go, they stop at that bar where Rita is working, that bar that he frequents, and that's when it cuts away from that whole uh, sexual assault encounter. Yeah. encounter. And he stopped, and he stops there. He go, he says, "I gotta stop here, right, uh, real quick." Goes in, he. He goes in. He changes the channel to the Jerry Langford show, and he's just like, "Hey, wait!" And he tells the the bartender woman, Rita, like, "Just watch this," and it shows his. And it's in. It's the intro. Tony Randall is filling in as host of the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Tony Randall is, Tony Randall was on the television show The Odd Couple back in the day. He played uh, the Felix character, the one who was uh, the cleanlier of the two, the more neurotic of the two of of Felix and Oscar. And that's where I know him from, and and basically Rupert goes on and does his does his act, and the audience loves it. It's an interesting act. It's a self deprecating act, self aware act, and it's and it goes over really well with the crowd. I, I was, I, and I'll be honest with you, I, I I didn't think it was terrible. No, I mean. I, I mean, wasn't really judging it from like, oh, is that a great stand-up act? I guess I'm not really sure. Not, not say, really, but, but yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, you'd expect it to be really bad, right? Like, like, like it was unwatchable. But I, I, I think he obviously uh, has some, somewhat of talent. The thing is, is it's more, it's more of a mockery than it is probably his. Uh, it, though, though the the material itself is, uh, you know, 
is he's talking about himself a lot. Yes. Um, but his deliveries and his mannerisms and things are all Jerry. You yeah. Know, like, you he's know, probably like, pretty much copying his idol. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As we, as many of us do. I mean, if I, I mean, a lot of people copy their idols in many, many ways in in very, you know, many forms, whether it be movies, TV, music, whatever art, um, that just it, happens. It just and, we, happens. And, and we forgot a, a, a great cameo right mm. before he goes on stage. Martin Scorsese cameos. It is a Martin Scorsese cameo. Tell me about it. Yeah. They're, right before he goes on stage, before we get to the to the bar scene, um, he shows him like his material. Like it was it, like. Oh, she, yes. Never, yeah. His, his um yeah. Like his intro. It, yeah, and and and, he, and I guess he was reading it, and he's like, "Actually, this is kind of funny," <laughs> you know? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because the, yeah, he shows him like, and he's like, "So what's your like? What 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 are you gonna say? What's your monologue? What's your what's your act?" Because they want to screen it to make sure he doesn't say anything obscene, and he keeps reiterating yeah. to them, you know, it's gonna be clean. There's, there's no there's no you know no curse words, no anything like that. Yeah. Um, which he's right. I mean, for, for what's crazy about Republican is that he doesn't swear. And he's not a crude, crasp, crass person. He's not someone who I think is going to physically assault anybody, but he's just dangerous in other ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? His, which is very interesting. Um, but he, he, like I said, he, he, he kills it on, on, on his performance. And and then he he walks out of the bar with the FBI agents and he says he'll he, he says he'll take, um. Take him to Jerry, but the thing is, is Jerry has already escaped. Yes, he has. He <laughs> yeah. he he convinced Sandra Bernhardt to let him go, not let him go to untie well, him, so that they he, could have sex. <laughs> yes, and then he knock and he knocks her, he knocks her down, grabs the gun, and then she like like pretends to like shoot it at because he 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 holds it. He's like, oh, it's not quite right. Of course, it's a plastic gun. You can tell plastic from metal, so he just like shoots it at her, and it's just like like you said, plastic darts or whatever. And he's just like in last thing we see of him, he's like kind of like running down the street. Well, yeah, um, I mean, he's then he slaps her and knocks her down. Yes, he does. And then then he walks out and he's running out the street and he gets away. And and then uh, from there, it's it's kind of a montage, right? It's yes, kind it of is. like of what what happens to him next. We get a which, montage of like a new like a news story montage. We get like newspaper clippings and like uh, like uh, new, news headlines and things like that where like you know Jerry Lankford abductor gets sentenced to 6 years and 9 months yeah. in prison uh Rupert Pupkin and like and what we learn is that Rupert Pupkin one he gets out in like 2 years yeah 2 years or so no he gets 6 years in prison he gets out in 2 years and 9 months mm -hmm. and then he gets while while he's in prison he's working on his his his, his book his act He's working on an act. He's working on his material, and he gets con he gets contacted by a publisher to write yeah. his book. Um, call and, and what's his book title's name is? Oh man, I'm it, sorry. it's it's um, uh, one night of a king or something like that. Yeah, or, the, uh, the king for a night. King for a night. That's what yeah, it is. That's it. Yeah, because he like he gets announced as the king. Basically, of he becomes an overnight celebrity. Yes. Because of this, the, the 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 fact that he he kidnapped a celebrity, kidnapped Jerry, uh, and and that whole story of somebody that did that thing, even though he sure, I mean, he people liked his act, but if he hadn't kidnapped Jerry, he probably would have been forgotten. Well, know? I mean, but if he didn't kidnap Jerry, he no more no one would have nobody would have cared. Nobody would have seen him on TV. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, his his celebrity came from the thing that he didn't care about. He, he wanted to be a celebrity because of his comedy, but he became a celebrity because he kidnapped somebody. Yeah, um, he got a and, book deal, he got... And he got set up with his own show. The last yeah. thing we see in the movie, the last scene in the movie, is him being announced as the Rupert Pumpkin, the king of comedy, and he comes out with that red and suit keep, that we see. keeps saying Rupert Pumpkin, Rupert Pumpkin, Rupert Pumpkin. Um, he comes out with that red suit that you see on the posters. Um, yeah. And yeah, and the last thing you see is people cheering for him and everything. And and, and I think it also the, it. the fact the fact that that. Th- this is how this ended up isn't only a commentary on us as consumers, but also the industry, what the industry is willing to do. Oh yeah. The industry you know. doesn't give a shit. Uh, what know. we've learned about yeah. what we learned about the movie world and the entertainment world in general is that when it comes to morality versus financial gain, they're going to take financial gain yeah. pretty much almost I mean, all shit, the time. M- MTV was MTV was not too far behind. And where, you know, you start to get reality shows and, you know, things with people that you, you don't give a shit about. You know, they had celebrity if these celebrity shows where people that have had bad, you know, have been celebrities at one point, then their celebrity went into the toilet and then they made shows about these people living together. You know, oh, yeah. If there's something to make money <laughs> off of, chances are the entertainment industry will do it. Um, it's only now, now in like 2019, that morality is starting to come into focus and where you know um people are losing jobs because of things they say or or things that they've done before things but that they could, do now things like you know i mean and it, like and now be, we're starting to figure things well, out we are but maybe we're going a little bit too far in that direction <laughs> that yeah, but now i mean one i mean that's a whole different argument for a whole different thing but i'm just saying like like you know 20 30 years ago if somebody were somebody were to do something that was immoral but they were somebody who made a lot of money in in their industry in their profession chances are they would have had that like kind of like pushed to the side or hushed up or something like that for the for you know the benefit of financial gain whereas now things are kind of reversed to where they they would those things would be exposed and consequences would happen whereas Rupert Pupkin Rupert Pupkin I think he his example or what happens to him has only become more prevalent and more dangerous as our society has shifted in many different ways. It's become more dangerous because you get Rupert Pupkins who want to do something outlandish and crazy for the sake of wanting to become famous. Yeah. And often those things tend to be very uh, violent and criminal. Yeah. That's why you get a lot of people who go to um, you know, like go to go to malls or go to movie theaters or go to some places to to shoot up places because the a lot of their thing a lot of their things they, a lot of them have manifestos a lot of them post on social media beforehand that they're going to do that so they want the the sense of recognition they want the sense of fame and that is why our our society has shifted to where something like the king of comedy is more of a cautionary tale versus just being a movie about a specific character sure. you know what i mean and that's why you know we didn't say too much about it that's why there's been a lot of i think caution about uh the joker movie because the, because of the way in which the joker is presented granted he is a fictionalized character in a fictionalized world that's been around for 80 years, as as Todd Phillips has said. 
in an interview, um, there are people who will look at that and be like, oh, I want to be like him. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who maybe somebody somebody out there might relate to the character. Yes. To want to act out his what he acts out in the film. Right. And the thing that I've told Stephen, like when we first talked about doing this episode, and the thing I want to mention is that I don't believe that movies or music or television are the things that get people to do bad things. These people already have a problem to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And these I, and people already need, they're already at the stage where they need help. And anything, if, seeing, if, if seeing a fictionalized thing is, is the thing that sets them off, there's something underneath and something embedded in them that's wrong right now that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, anything can set them off. It could, it, right. it could be anything. I mean, what if they're at McDonald's and they eat French fries and it wants to make them kill people in McDonald's? I mean, I, it, it, you're going to blame French fries now, gonna, <laughs> you know, like, like, like it could be anything. Um, could be some some random person they come in contact with, you know, says the wrong thing in the wrong tone that could finally make them want to kill somebody. It's a chemical imbalance in their brain. It's a um, it, it, there's a me- there's a serious mental health issue with with many many people throughout our society that we're just now coming into. I think this idea that mental health is a serious issue, whether it be depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, or or the thought to inflict inflict harm on others, those all need to be addressed right now. And we're just starting to kind of take those things seriously. Whereas like 10, 20, 30 years ago, people's reaction to mental illness was like, oh, they'll get over it. Or like, oh, it's not a big deal. Or like, you know, oh, why don't you just, you know, think about something else? Like if as if it's that hard to just think something away. Whereas no, that's that's not that there's something more serious going on here. And we keep seeing this over and over again where those with mental illnesses do very violent things. And there's a culture of a lot of those people who feel that they need to in, to do violent things in order to feel justified in life. And it's it's problematic. And and it, now granted we're going a little off book here, but it plays into the psychosis that we're going to see in the in the Joker, and the same psychosis that we see in in Rupert Pupkin, where they have this delusion. Granted, the degrees of these delusions and the context of these delusions are different. I don't think Rupert Pupkin was ever going to do anything violent in this movie. To no, Jerry no, Banks. no, no. You know what I mean? Uh, the Joker is probably going to in the Joker movie because he he's is de- a he's violent person. A he's a you different I mean? animal. Yeah. But they both have these delusions and, and psychological problems. You know what I mean? There's differencing. I'm just saying there's variants in, in in psychological illnesses and mental illnesses sure. that all need to be addressed uh, in themselves. You can't just say you can't just generalize all of these things. You know what I mean? No. Um, but we but yeah. also, but also yeah, with uh, that, we we got to We got to say that. But even though that there are these issues out there, and we we empathize with them issues doesn't mean we should be censoring our art. Um, you know, I don't think that that means that the filmmakers and the, the, the artists have to have a risk. They don't have to, they're not, they don't have to have a responsibility to, you know, censor themselves because they, something might happen. Somebody might right. be influenced. Um, well, I mean, it's also not, I mean, it's not really their responsibility it's. I think it's more our responsibilities, and by our I mean like society's responsibility in general to help these people who need the help. If, yeah. like I was just saying, if 
going if seeing a movie is something that's going to like in, embolden these people they're the bedrock is already there for them it's not up to the filmmaker to be like okay i'm not going to make this movie because somebody somewhere on the planet granted granted there are literally billions of people it's going to be kind of hard for the uh, one filmmaker in hollywood or wherever to be responsible for thinking about you know this fate of billions of people like what if there's one person out there who's going to see this yeah. and and be triggered by it. it it's kind of unfair to put that pressure yeah. on them yeah, because they're just trying they're trying to make art they're trying to make entertainment they're trying to make their vision because tons and tons of you know people what I mean? can watch this and just enjoy it for what it is and you know other people are going to see it differently <laughs> that's why we love film but you know if yeah. somebody t- somebody takes it to an extreme like that that's not the filmmaker's fault it and there's uh, i mean we talked about this in our censorship episode and things like that where you know entertainment or art there's artistic freedom of artistic expression i think is really important because without it we're going to miss out on so many wonderful things so many great things so many like like um medium pushing things like things that we would never be exposed to if there were restrictions on what we could and could not consume as people. And also, yeah. And also, you know, if if you can look at this movie in in a different way, we're talking like we've seen it. We we got an Mm -hmm. idea what this movie is, but it's, you should look at movies like this, not as something that will automatically make somebody uh, have a reaction, but we should be talking about the fact that the movie can make us have discussions and actually positive can come out of it. You know, if you look at this as an example of what could happen if we don't do something about it, it should be a cautionary tale. Yeah, I mean, it should if you be want, once again. If, yeah. if you if you want to take this movie as we're talking about the we're talking about Joker here, if you want to take this movie as having serious real world repercussions when it comes to people's actions, we also have to view it as, and we also, like Stephen said, should view it as don't think being, about it being, just about being, what what being the reaction tool. Yeah, it's a teaching tool. So don't don't look at it as being something that's going to make ignite people's emotions and things. Well, I'm saying should, if uh, if it does, if you're treating it like it does do that, you also have to be open to it being a cautionary tale about well, that, what not to do or what that's, something or, or things to look for in people that would lead them to be th- this type of violent person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing about you know us the, the, people. There's people that people that yeah. critique film today they just have headlines and they don't they don't want to discuss the movies they just want to know whether it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes or you know they don't care about discussing the movie they just if they see a headline and it says something then that's what they're going to believe and that's well, all they want to that's all they want to know there are a know? lot of um movie critics out there who have very specific um things they're looking for in movies or they have a specific um take on something and that seems to be the only take that they consider genuine and i'm a little bit more open when it comes to interpretations of things and different interpretations of things when it comes to the way i look at movies you know i mean i want to see things from both sides and see you know what what can arguments be made on either side when it comes to certain things whereas a lot of people are a lot more narrow focused and i mean that's their prerogative they can do whatever they want they get paid to watch movies we don't i wish i did but um 
you know what I mean? There seem there needs to be a more openness about it. But it, but by openness, I mean like open discussions and not so much harsh discussions where like someone sees someone's opinion and they're like, "You're wrong." Go and they belittle, they belittle you know I mean? them for their opinion. Yeah, right. And it's like, why not ask them why they think that way? Like, did this scene specifically say that overtly, or is it something that you are uh, kind of leaning into a little bit more when it comes to? you know perhaps what your own interpretation is you know what i mean like be more open and honest about your discussions yeah, and we, what are involved yeah we like, talked about this before when we were talking about how hollywood had, you know films and have been changed the culture of how we talk about movies and things we talked about it in another episode oh well, i think when we talked about like did we talk about phantoms yet i don't even remember no i, no, I but we've brought we talk, it up we had so a big times. discussion one time about how this particular topic where people don't discuss things like they used to um that, that it's just you know using headliner words um and nobody wants to have to, we, we've i think we've discussed this before in, well in people depth, like to but, use like hot words like yeah, like yeah. very very politically driven words for headlines and like and like just to grab people's attention but i but then you read some article like the review and then you watch the movie and you're like maybe i mean you can you can see that in there but is it is it as overt as you're making it out to yeah. be? Whatever they're discussing, yeah. I mean, whatever their their opinion is on something, whatever their the the point they're trying to drive home. Whereas, like, why? Oftentimes, I I I understand their perspective and I can see where they would get that, but I don't think it's it's, it's as powerful as they say it is. Sure. And I'm I'm way more lenient when it comes to certain things than I think other people, because um, depending on the context, of course. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's good to have your own voice and and to, I mean, because that's what you're going to drive people to want to, you know, read your articles or listen right. to your videos or whatever it is. But I think there, I, I think we're sorely lacking open mindedness, like to where somebody, you know, <clears throat> very much can discuss both sides of it, and a lot of that has to do with knowledge, not equipping your equipping yourself with the knowledge of both sides because you're being ignorant you're only keeping you know listening to one side so well, yeah yeah and, i would say it goes back to what you were saying during our spotlight is that people want instant uh grad not gratification in this sense but instant information like yeah okay is this movie good or bad like they want to know like is it good or is it bad and then they want to know how to spend their money you know. yeah, when anytime anybody asks me that i'm like that's not that's a tough question because I think most movies are both good and bad because there's both good and bad things in them. No movie, I think, I mean, maybe not no movie, I'm using that in general, but like most movies are not entirely amazing and most movies aren't entirely bad. Sure. They're a mix of both. And sometimes one balances in one regard or the other. So when someone asks you if a movie is good or bad, it's kind of an unfair question because it's yeah. a lot more nuanced than that. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it's not black and white. Um, it's not black and white, but people want those answers because they want they want, they want definitive. They want definitive. They want a definitive answer so they know where they can spend their money. Right. Um, I you mean, know, in, in modern times, that kind of makes sense when movie prices keep going up and up. We get it. We've we talked about it before, but um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm excited to see the Joker film. I, I hope um, that you know, though you know, there's no, we, there's no knowing what could happen. Uh, hopefully, um, people will be um, safe this coming weekend, yeah. and nothing will actually, ha you know, happen. Um, I know I'm going to the movies, 
to see this right away. I'm not going to let the possibility of something like this keep me from the movies. Um, and I hope everybody enjoys it. I want to hear what you guys think about the movie when you see it. So comment, let us know. I mean, um, and I, I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll have a, a discussion about the movie uh, as, as an episode, maybe next week or in a couple weeks, maybe as part of our episode next time. Um, Cause yeah, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a hot topic. So yeah, it's going to be a brief take. And I assume this movie is still going to be in theaters by the time our next episode gets recorded. Oh yeah. But um, that, I think that's a good stopping point. Um, that is it for our episode, uh, our spotlight on King of comedy and also kind of an after discussion about the Joker film, how it relates. Um, that's going to be it. Uh, where can we find you, Andrew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And also, it is October, so everybody start watching those horror movies. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year again. And we'll definitely, we'll probably have a horror-themed episode, either next one or the one after. Um, but we'll definitely find something fun to do for this time of the year. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings, and you can go on Instagram and see all the goodies that I buy uh, on the Cinema Discovery Project. And you can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean or uh, Apple Podcasts. And that'll be it. Thanks for listening. And hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs>